In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, and for today's episode, we are welcoming Jordan Zaslow into the group chat. She is the founder and executive director of Herbold Move, which is an organization working to fill a critical gap in the support pipeline for women in American politics by helping women candidates in their campaigns succeed. You probably know them better, our listeners, as you definitely follow them on Instagram and see their content, and you are hyping all the women running for office and thinking about it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. How was how was your weekend? It was a little bit of an intense one. We we talked last week that we were anticipating that Saturday did mark the first anniversary. It's been a whole year since the Supreme Court overturned uh, Roe versus Wade in the Dobbs decision. So I'm super excited we have you as our guest today so that we can kind of reflect on that since it's been a theme really important to you. And, um, you know, something tells me that uh, maybe more women in government might have might have helped us out here. Well, that's our entire premise. So (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) That's exactly how we feel. Yeah. How were you kind of like uh, internalizing a lot of the media over the weekend about how it's been a full year since half of the country lost this fundamental right? Yeah. So I think that the one thing that's really been top of mind has been how it's affected real people already, which we already knew was going to happen. I mean, you know, last summer we anticipated that this would happen. Um, But the stories coming out of this decision of real people who who are having the most unnecessary trauma or unnecessary health concerns because of this, like in the year 2023, when modern medicine is at the point that it's at. And all of these women have these stories of almost dying or losing you know, the, the ability to have a pregnancy in the future, things like that. Uh, that has been um, sobering, but it's also obviously been very motivating mm-hmm. because um, you know, there's so much left to do and, and this is just such an absolutely unnecessary issue that it's it's almost like they don't have anything better to do. Like, yeah. Th- so so basically, it's just been a, a lot of yeah. reflecting on the real stories. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what struck me as well from the weekend is just the full scope of like the past 365 days and what so many of women have had to go through. And, you know, we're used to hearing, you know, we've all heard stories of medical traumas from people experiencing things that were preventable. But it's so important to point out, like you did, that like someone like Amanda Zarowski, who we talked to last week, like there was nothing like doctors knew how to save her. Right. They knew exactly what to do. They probably learned, you know, pretty early on on medical school. But because of that ban, I'm also curious, I believe you were, had you just become a new parent a year ago when yeah. this happened? What was it yeah. like having that context? Because we know we hear from our listeners and, you know, our teammates on on Betches and just we hear from our audience that becoming parents themselves, especially delivering a child from their own body, if they did, really just gave this issue a whole new tenor for them. Did you experience that? 
So I didn't think I could be any more fired yeah. up because I was fired up as hell yeah. <laughs> before I was a mom to a daughter. Uh, so I definitely would never have imagined um, the, yeah. the feeling that you have now. Because, I mean, when you become a parent, like, all you want to do is make the world a safer, kinder, better place for your kids than mm-hmm. the one that, you know, you grew up in. Um, so seeing the way that people are talking about women and seeing the, the lack of humanity that so many legislators especially are using to describe women I'm like excuse me hey my daughter's a woman yeah (laughs) step back watch the way you're talking and obviously before I was yeah I always felt that way about women but it's it's just it's a new fury that's so interesting yeah I feel like there's a lot of things it's like until we're protecting somebody other than ourselves is when we're really like oh wow like this isn't just about me this is about the person I've chosen to bring onto this planet and and what they're inheriting and I think the vice president spoke to that as well she said that that was sort of the main thing I think the vice president, she made a speech in Charlotte over the weekend, and it was definitely for me like the most prominent kind of federal official making a statement. I thought her speech was great. Yep. For me, what really stuck out about it was that it felt like it really captured the range of what's happened. Totally. What you said, they talked about, you know, she talked about how this has been, this has impacted just women's health care in states where clinics have had to close. What what, what from her speech did you really um, resonate with? That's a great way of describing it. It, it captured a range she had examples. Yeah. And I think the examples are what's changing people's minds across the country. I think that women and and men, you know, everybody is kind of hearing these real life stories and they're like, oh my God, like that woman was having a an ectopic pregnancy, which happens all the time and no one could treat her. Like that could absolutely happen to me. So I think yeah. that even people who, you know, are the type of people that we all know who say like, yeah, I'm not a political person, whatever. Right. Um, you should be a political person because a lot of people are gonna die yeah. or have horrible complications as a result of this. One thing I noticed as I was watching it and as I was just sort of looking through, you know, how some prominent politicians were reacting was that, you know, I've been very happy with everything the Biden administration has done. It really felt like Kamala Harris was doing all the heavy lifting on this issue. I feel like we could have maybe heard a little bit more from some men. Why do you think this is still framed as like a woman's issue, even a year, even a year out? I was thinking, and that you know, were you thinking you, that too? I didn't want to project me. onto you, but I was like, this so is a lot of Kamala. The way that I have started thinking about this came to my attention recently when I saw a statistic that, and this is like a really broad yeah. range, but somewhere between like twenty and seventy-four percent of men cheat. And I was like, somewhere between twenty and seventy-four <laughs> yeah. percent of men should be losing their shit right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I mean, you know, yeah. it can happen. It does seem like male voters are voting yeah. on our behalf. Mm-hmm. That's true. But yeah, it's nice to yeah. It would be nice to hear from some more yeah. legislative allies. It was just interesting that what struck me about it was that she used the word abortion many, many times. She used the word extremist so many times, and as. I think that was important. And as much as like your work is all about getting more women into the rooms where those speeches are being written and we see the impact it has, I was definitely watching and think like, I want, I want, I want, I want Joe to come out and say abortion over and over and say extremists. So the women are, the women in office are definitely doing the heavy lifting they've been asked to, but like we could, we could use a a little bit, a little bit of help. But on that note to kind of pivot here, how has the last year do you think shown us how important it is to have women as elected leaders? Yeah. So the way that we think about this particular question and this particular issue is that there's a reason Roe was never codified. And there's a reason that until Amy Klobuchar came into the picture, the boyfriend loophole was still a huge 
issue, you know, a huge loophole um, in the gun control fight. And there's a reason that ERA was never out of. I mean, all of these things were not priorities. And the reason is because 73% of our government was male. Yeah. 73% of our government is male yeah, now. Yeah. Best case scenario yeah. for us right now. So it goes up so that, slow. <laughs> right. It's like the wage gap. It's like every year there's like 1% less and we're supposed to be like, woohoo. Right. Yeah. So women haven't been in the rooms. Yeah. Um, and it shows in our in our policies and in our laws and in the fact that women have a hard life. It's hard to be a woman in America. And so I think that that's sort of, you know, the more women who come into the rooms who are making the decisions, yeah. who are helping to set policy, speaking to their lived experience, speaking to, you know, the question you asked me in the beginning, what was it like to become a new mom to a daughter? Speaking to things yeah. like their own miscarriages, their own issues with getting pregnant um, and being pregnant. Yeah. Uh, all of those things. Like, I mean, there's the dumbest freaking laws. <laughs> it's astounding. <laughs> like the Kansas. So we were all so excited about Kansas. And then now we hear that Kansas is enacting or trying to pass through. But I think that the governor actually vetoed it. Thank God. But that. Who was a woman. <laughs> yeah. He was a Democratic woman. Thank goodness. Uh, that stupid, like, like um, born alive. Yeah. Law, which is which like. Means a, nothing. Which means nothing. It doesn't happen. And it's. And it just goes to show something that Kamala pointed out in her yeah. speech, which is that these people don't know no. what it's like to be a woman. They're saying stupid things and they're passing stupid policy. When meanwhile, children who are alive and well and who made it and who are, you know, eight, nine years old, whatever, yeah. are getting gunned down in their schools. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So if women were in the rooms, obviously, I think that it would just be completely different priorities and um, right. their representation would show. Yeah, absolutely. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Can you kind of 
tell us a little bit more about how you've seen your community respond to the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe? I mean, her bold move existed, you know, before that. How did you how did this kind of impact uh, how your audience was motivated? Did you see a lot of energy behind it? Yeah, that's a great way of describing it, because so like you said, like we yeah. we knew this was going to happen. We, yeah. We've already been doing the work that, you know, was hoping to prevent something like this from happening. So what we're doing and what we've been doing in the past year is taking this opportunity to expand our coalition. Mm -hmm. Because we already knew, you know, we've been saying for a long time this could happen and this is what would happen and this is why we need women in the rooms. But it's really become crystallized for yeah. the average American. And so now people are like, you know what, I wasn't involved in this fight before. Now it's time. How can I get involved? How can I help? What can I do? Mm -hmm. And so wow. we're like, come hang out with us. Yeah. We'll tell you what to do. We'll put you to yeah. work. And we'll get going. Yeah. So let's get more specific. What is her bold move broadly? Um, and and what's the mission? And then I want to get into sort of what path led you here, but just like start out with what it is and, and what your mission is. So her bold move is a political action committee on a mission to elect women to seats that have never been before been held by a woman. Um, which and is a lot of them. Which is literally hundreds of thousands yeah, of the, seats, the, the top one, I believe. That's, one way up top. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the most famous one yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so we are a political action committee. So we work to elect women all across the country. We're focused on underserved candidates. So, you know, not the candidates that you hear about every day, not the celebrity candidates, not the incumbent candidates, but the ones who really could use support who aren't getting support. Um, because those, you know, those women run for office and it could ruin their lives. It's, it's so hard to run for office as a woman. The obstacles that they face that they're up against are demoralizing, and it's so much harder to raise money as a woman. It's just much harder. So we're there to be that much needed early support for candidates who um, are just, you know, starting yeah. out and trying to trying to make it as a woman yeah. in politics. It's really refreshing to hear you just sort of say candidly, like, it really sucks running as a woman in politics. But the answer to that is not for women to run. It's to create more systems of support, like what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as you were talking before about, like, women in the room, it also reminded me of, like, if we didn't have more women in politics, like they really might have already gone for IVF by now. Yeah. But it took people being like, ask your wife what how you have your kids. Like you could just like there's just so, so, so many issues even beyond reproductive rights where just having the insight, the number of single mothers um, in this country. So what are some elected positions you think more women should consider running for? So, uh, I mean, you probably thought I was going to say like every single yeah. one of them. Women of just course, should just be in the course. rooms where decisions are being made yeah, yeah. in every room and every – Sit at every table. At every table. Um, but our focus right now is on the more local seats, the state seats, um, the state legislatures, because that is where women can start. Yeah a lot of the time. And they don't need to raise a ton of money. They don't need to prove, you know, that they are a, a raising money machine mm -hmm. like you really need to prove. To the DNC, yeah. Right. I mean, they still, to some extent, often do right. need to prove that, but not to the same okay. level as, as in federal politics. And also, it's a launch pad. So women can run for state legislature, you know, seats, and then they can qualify for the next seat and the next seat. And so many... So many women who are in politics right now, who you who you know, whose names everyone knows, started in their state houses. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, Melinda Gates just last week—I don't know if you read—she posted a um, op-ed in Time magazine about her new commitment to helping mm -hmm. women run for office, and awesome. she's focusing on state legislatures. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yes, and her in her words, state legislatures are policy-making powerhouses, which is absolutely true. They they control trillions of dollars a year in 
taxpayer money and they can get things done so much faster. So in, so there's so many reasons why the state the state houses are we're, we're sleeping on the state houses. Yeah. Do you feel like since Roe especially people have finally become a little less myopic on national politics because Roe was overturned and we had a Democratic Senate, Congress and president and people were like, "Wait, what? I don't understand." I think people now finally do. Are you seeing a little bit more openness to starting, you know, more state and local? I'm seeing an openness yeah. for sure. I'm curious, however, what will happen in 2024 when there's a presidential race and, and mm. all those Senate races, because that's where the money has always gone. Yeah. And that's where the donors are always interested in, uh, you know, putting their resources. So I'm hopeful that that is exactly what's going to happen because that's exactly what needs to happen. Yeah. So I'm hopeful. Yeah. I think somebody um, like Courtney McMurrow feels like such a great example because I feel like I th a couple months ago it was like a big headline. She went viral a couple years ago in Michigan because somebody called her a groomer and she explained, you know, you our listeners all definitely saw it, why that was just like ridiculous. And she announced, she's like, I'm not going to run for Senate. Um, you know, I'm still new to this. And not that women that are new to politics don't have the talent to to run for national office. I mean, Obama was not in politics for that long, but I thought that was really powerful for kind of like a a superstar and like a almost celebrity in the world to be like, I'm going to use that here rather than just sort of like you said, it should be a launching pad. But we need we need those really passionate, knowledgeable, um, talented kind of celebrity superstars in those state legislators, too. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Yeah. I, I, God, I love her so much. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly right. I almost like I'm trying like we try to cover them a lot on SUP to sort of like, you know, be like a carrot. It's like. Stay in your state legislature. Like, it's almost encouraging to see more of those go viral because people finally know this is this is also where the good content is. Yeah. <laughs> like crazy shit is going down in those chambers. Crazy, crazy, crazy <laughs> laws are being. I mean, it's sad, and it's it's and I feel like you know when people are are um, living in blue states and they think this you know yeah. crazy things are happening in the South, crazy things are happening in these red states, but the truth is. If it can happen there, it yeah. can happen anywhere, and it's just a matter of how many people are in your state legislature that are pro-choice or that are supporting your needs or, you know, that are um, that are focused on the right things. Yeah. And that's why elections obviously yeah. matter so much. And I think if you are a bright blue spot in a ruby red state, you can be kind of like a, a Megan Hunt and a Michaela Kavanaugh, who in Nebraska were really able – like, I feel like they can have – like, I guess what I'm trying to say is if your future is just ambition and you want to be like a senator or a house member or president, start in the state legislature and sure. make a bunch of viral speeches. If that's if that's what people <laughs> if that's what's motivating people, I'm 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 fine with that. Who are some what are some like success stories that you're really proud of where you've seen people start, um, get, you know, get really motivated by an issue and then be able to represent that issue? Wow, that's such a great question. I think that. Every single one of our candidates who has ever won yeah. has a story of why they're running for office. No one, I don't, I, I'm, I mean, I shouldn't use such a sweeping generalization, but I'm, I'm confident that most of our candidates who have won were not told when they were like three and five years old, like, oh, you're confident, you should run for office. Yeah. People don't say that to, to little girls. So when they are running for office, they're running because something happened, like either they something happened in their own lives, yeah. something happened to someone they know, and they saw how policy affected their real lives. So anytime they win, it's like, thank God. Yeah. They, they are now in the room and they're going to be able to speak to that exact issue that that is so important to them that they risked literally their life yeah. to run for office to see to it that 
that was going to be addressed. You must see some real clunkers that are opponents. Like as much as many talented people are in state legislators, that's why you have to pay attention because it's like like the fucking Duggar dad was running. Like you must see some of their opponents and be like, she needs this much support to beat this guy. But like a lot of times that's just that's how it works. If that's an incumbent who's known to the community. But um, like I said, I think it's amazing that you sort of start from the place of this is going to be a little hard, but that's why it's worth doing. It's going to be so freaking hard. What is taking up the mo- most of your kind of like brain power ahead of 2024? I know people are like, Amanda, don't talk about that. But the wheels are turning in politics for those candidates and raising money. And so where is your focus right now looking ahead to that? So our focus when we think about 2024 is that we want we know that a lot of resources are going to go to the presidential and the Senate races. Right. So we are already taking a look at the rest of the races, the the lesser known congressional races, the state house, state senate, the races that people aren't going to be talking about nearly as much that absolutely need support and that absolutely will need early funding. So like the people who already know they're running, we are already meeting with them. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're we're taking a look at, you know, down ballot races that are happening in 2024 that are not going to see the light of day in the media. Yeah. And there are times when people will run for certain seats and they might not win, but it gets them They'll win the next time. That happens a lot, doesn't it? It happens a lot and it happens a lot to women. Yeah. Yes. Why do you think it seems to be so gendered? Do you think because women are the ones not giving up or that people just seem they want women to prove it more or it takes the local name recognition and then people are like, oh, okay, we're probably just come. It's probably the same reasons women are unequal in all the ways. I'm sure it's a combination of everything you mentioned, Um, but running for office is so expensive. And I think that the first time, a lot of the time that women run for office, they have a hard time raising money. And then they can, you know, once they've done it already, they can get back in and, you know, tap the same resources that they tapped, but faster. And they can, you know, the early money is indicative of viability for a lot Mm. of these endorsers and for a lot of the institutional support. So if they can get that early money that they already sort of set the set the groundwork for in their last election, then that makes a huge difference the next time they run. I think that there are probably people listening thinking that like they probably know of some of your candidates or lesser known candidates and they're like, they're awesome. Of course they should win. What else, like how can people actually express support in a way that will translate into, like you said, it's a lot about where the money goes and the gatekeepers that have that money. What are ways that we can kind of show our interest and enthusiasm for up and coming candidates in a way that signals to the people with with the money and the power that like, we're we're in it for her like so that's a really good question and i and i think that it it's especially what we saw in 2020 was that there were a lot of candidates that were running for you know congressional seats and things like that that had a lot of national support mm-hmm. um so they had yeah. support from people in like california new york who were like oh my god like this person in kentucky rules and people in kentucky were like <laughs> right 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 um, exactly <laughs> So yeah. I don't know how that, com- that yeah. was just conveyed on a podcast, but basically I made a face like, <laughs> um, but we talk a lot about the aggressive <laughs> millions of dollars that went into defeating Mitch McConnell in right. Kentucky, which uh, seems tough, seems tough. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that it's really a matter of if everybody can kind yeah. of rally in their pockets. Yes. That's gonna that's gonna really make a huge difference because it's all it comes down to the votes. It comes down to obviously money raised so that they can reach the voters. But at the end of the day, it comes down to yeah. votes. And the money usually translates. I mean, it's usually being spent on visibility anyway. So if you can, if we can work on our end to make those candidates more visible, yeah. and what role does social media play for 
for what her, her bold move does? So a lot of the time candidates, especially before, and I'm glad that it's sort of not as, as much of a priority anymore, but candidates spend a lot of energy on their social media that, like I mentioned before, like people in Kentucky, people in New York and California and, and you know, the people who are really plugged in, in blue, from blue states would follow them, which is great, um, but it's it doesn't really translate in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially now that Twitter's kind of like, we're not really oh, sure what's going yeah. on. Um, so I think that it plays a little bit less of a role than it did before. Um, obviously, it's a great way for them to speak about what's going on in the news and mm-hmm. how you know their election is relevant in the news cycle. Um, and then you know they can show pictures of what they're actually yeah, doing on the, the ground. Keep the that they have really engaged. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we've seen viral phenomenons not get elected. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. Many times. So it really comes down to the votes, and um, I think that we the, need to make more. We need to make more more viral content about elect actually electable, <laughs> <laughs> actually electable people. Do you think that the? I mean, Twitter obviously still exists, but it is not the news and politics platform that it used to be. Do you think that'll have a meaningful impact on electoral politics in twenty twenty four? I I probably do. I never yeah, I even think so thought too. of that. I guess it's really going to be because Twitter was like a fundraiser machine. Mm-hmm. Like really. Twitter was really useful for fundraising. Yeah. Um, like rapid response. This just happened. Yeah. yeah. I'm, cu- I'm I'll be curious yeah. to know what ends up happening with that. I think that now, you know, because COVID is a little, pretty much behind us, yeah. uh, people are going to be doing a lot more on the ground. The candidates are going to be doing a lot more, you know, yeah, voter outreach it. on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's so important. That's like the best thing they can possibly do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see what, yeah. what, Twitter, what role Twitter plays in the 2024 yeah. cycle. People's news diets seem like fractured in a way now that they weren't in 2020 or before or even 2022. And then I'm just curious, and I'm sure our listeners are personally, what path led you to this work? Because as you've explained, it's tough. <laughs> yes. It so is. what, what path led you here and what motivates you to stay on it? Yeah. So I always knew that I wanted to do something to help women in some way. I didn't really know exactly what that would, was going to look like. But in 2020, when production shut down, I, I worked in the entertainment industry yeah. and production. So um, I was, you know, making content, really. So in 2020, when production shut down, my team and I, who all come from the content creating backgrounds, mm-hmm. started making pro bono campaign ads for women running for offices awesome. across the country. And we ended up making 75 pieces of content for women across 18 states. And so we got to know them and their stories and and what they were up against. And we were shocked. It We could never have imagined what they're really what they really had to deal with. Like one of our wow. candidates in Oklahoma, her opponent made a billboard a sexually explicit billboard about her that her children saw. I mean, it was just like- I'm disgusted, yet not surprised. Right. Yeah. And we were disgusted and and surprised enough to do (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So we decided this is is too hard for 51% of the population that's trying to do this. Um, So we need to stick around and become a more institutional support for these candidates uh, who could who and, you know, more women are running for office than ever before. Mm -hmm. So more support is needed than ever before. Yeah. And in your answer to that, I also realized that, like, it's not just the women running, but it's that the teams and the people in charge of their communication, there's also women's voices there because we can kind of connect to something about a story that maybe some of the that didn't have that experience, like necessarily wouldn't wouldn't have known that that. Oh, no, like that's the thing that's going to connect with every single person. 
Um, and then you, you can actually get like a really resonant response. Absolutely. So how can people support Her Bold Move now and uh, looking forward to 2024 if they want to get more involved in supporting you and um, learning more about the candidates you're working with? Yeah, thanks for asking. So we could always use, like I said, we're expanding our coalition every day. We could always use more people to sign up to volunteer and work with us in any way that's, you know, um, fun, really, yeah. for the folks that are, get involved. So on our website, herboldmove.org, there's a sign up page. Um, and if you sign up there, you can you know, get access to our volunteer opportunities and you can hear about our new candidates. And uh, there's going to be opportunities every single day from now until November 2024 to do something that helps women get elected. So we will keep everybody posted, but go to our website and and you can sign up there. Yeah, I feel like my 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 main like takeaway from this conversation is it takes a village. Yeah. It really, really does. And acknowledging that it's like a tough situation we just kind of have to acknowledge what women do all the time, which is that like we need each other and we can do it, but we we got to help each other out a little bit. It's so important. Yeah. It's yeah. the reason that Dobbs was, the Dobbs, Dobbs decision existed. Yeah. That is our show. Thank you so much, Jordan. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.